Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Uh, If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Um, The series that we started last week is called His Plan, His Way, and His Glory. God's intent, His plan, is that everything would work out exactly as He planned it. That it would be accomplished the way that he planned it. And that in the end, he would receive all the glory. And the Bible is very clear. Uh, it, it, we see account after account after account where from the very beginning of time to our present time to the end of time, God is going to accomplish his plan, his way, and he's going to receive all the glory. And that's the only way he does things. The example that I shared last week, and I wanted to kind of uh, expound on that this morning, was that of a builder uh, and an architect. If you were to hire an architect to build your home, to build your dream home, and you work with them for months and months, getting it exactly the way that you want it, every dimension, every measurement, every room, every fixture, uh, and it's exactly the way that you want it. And then you get a builder that you say, I want you to build this house and work with this architect, but I've, I've got to go. I'm going to be out of the country for the next year. And when I come back, I expect it to be done the way that I said. Every detail has been laid out. And you give them those plans and you explain what you want and you go away. And then you come back. But you find that they haven't done what you wanted. They, they thought, you know, it's like, well, well, he didn't know how well I build custom cabinets. You know, he doesn't know how well I do this. And I think he'll be okay with this. And so <laughs> the example I gave is like, you also wanted a media room uh, in the first service. Uh, I want a media room and I want 12 reclinable seats and I want them to be massage chairs just like in the movies and the movie theater and I want them to heat and I want them to cool and I want a big uh, projection screen TV on the wall and, uh, you know, surround sound speakers and you just every single detail, the color, the fabrics, everything you've outlined and you get back and they've got 12 lawn chairs set out. And a, and a, and a tray, like an eating tray with a 12 inch box TV with ears and a VHS player hooked up that it's sitting on top of. And they're like, look what we did. Here's your theater. And they're like, but we followed the plan. You know, the room's exactly to the dimensions you said. It's right where you said you wanted it. We did it just like you said. But they did it a different way. You wouldn't be happy with the results. You expected them to follow your instructions, to do it exactly the way that you said. The fact that they followed the plan and they did, in essence, what you wanted, doesn't really give them a whole lot of credit. You, know, you ask for a carpet in your bedroom and told them the kind and color, and you come back and it's six-inch lime green shag. And they're like, look what we did for you. It's like, you asked for a carpet and we gave you carpet. And you'd say, yeah, but I told you the way to go. I told you the kind of carpet, the color of the carpet, the every detail. And you didn't do it the way I said. And what we're going to see this morning, last week we looked at the plan. 
and the plan's important. But according to God, the way is just as important as the plan. And giving him the glory in the end is just as important as the plan and the way. And the word that he gave me when he spoke this message was two out of three isn't good enough. I expect it all. If you came back to that home and anything was out, they could have done 99% of what you asked for. If they'd have done 1% wrong, you would still say, this wasn't right. That wasn't the plan. This isn't what I asked for. And that's what Jesus tells us. I referenced this scripture, but we're going to read it this morning. I referenced it last week. And the interesting thing that I hadn't, uh, or I think I noticed it during the last series, but then didn't when I quoted it last week in the service. It's in Matthew chapter 7, but we spent three weeks, a few weeks back on the unshakable kingdom of God, how God is going to do every word that he's said, everything that he's said uh, is unshakable. We can count on it. And Jesus said, if you'll come to me, if you'll hear my voice, if you'll do what I say, you're like the wise man who built his house on that unshakable foundation and the storm may come, but you will not be shaken right before that passage right before that parable jesus shared this in matthew seven twenty one. he says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then will i declare to them i never knew you Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These guys are saying, look what we did for you. Look at the lime green carpet. Look at the lawn chairs. Look at the TV with the rabbit ears. Look what we did for you. And he said, that wasn't my plan. That's not what I asked for. That's not the way I said to do it. You did it on your own. You didn't walk with me. You didn't have a relationship with me. And that was what we saw last week in the plan. God's plan was that he could dwell among his people so he could be with us. His heart was to be with us. And he said, if you'll follow my plan, I can be with you. And his final plan was Jesus Christ. And he says, I won't just be with you i can be in you and jesus said those who follow his way hear the father and do what he says you're not just with me you follow me you can be with me in everything that you do you can get my plan you can find my way and you can give me the glory in the end that's his plan for us This morning, we're going to look at his way and how important and how he expects his way to be done just as much as he expects his plan to be followed. We're going to look at a a real simple example this morning that most of you uh, driving age and above have probably experienced is the Google map. Have you have you used the Google map? Did you know that it always gives you more than one option? Like it'll give you two or three ways to get from point A to point B. And I don't know why, because in my opinion, there's only one way to get anywhere. The shortest, fastest way. You know, why would anybody go any other way? But we know that anywhere, no matter how far away you're going to drive in the United States, thanks to all of our wonderful road systems, that you can go many, many ways. And so I've got an example here. Just from Briggs 
to Austin. That's a 48-mile, well, again, the shortest route, 48 miles. Or you could go 55 miles or 57 miles. Um, and there's not a big difference. You know, what is that, 10 minutes? You know, 9 minutes, the different ones. But you could also drive to Liberty Hill and then go all the way out to Circleville through Taylor, through Elgin, and back to Austin. Hey, we could drive back to Amarillo first and then come back to Austin. I mean, you can go any way. And God's point, he doesn't just tell us, I want you to go from Briggs to Austin. He says, this is the way I want you to go. And the way that he wants you to go is with him. Most of the time, we don't even get the indest. Like, he won't be that specific because if he did, we'd go without him. You told me to go to Austin. I'm going to go to Austin. I'm going to go right now because I want to go when I want to go. And I'll get there my way and it'll be okay. And I'll say, look, God, I did what you said. And he said, but you didn't, you didn't go when I wanted you to go. And you didn't go with me. You went on your own. You did your own thing. He said, I want you to go, but I want you to go my way. And it's not because he just, you know, gets on this kick of wanting to control everything. It's because there's only one way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except by me. There's one way. And so many people want to come up with another way. And we want to define another way, another opportunity. At the end of our life, we want to say, look, God, look at what I did. Look at how I got there. And he'll say, that wasn't the way. You didn't do my plan And the biggest thing is, you weren't with me. I didn't know you. We didn't have a relationship. It's all about a relationship. He wanted them to build the tabernacle so he could dwell with them. He wants us to receive Jesus Christ so he can live in us. So that we might know him, come to him, hear his voice, and do what he says. Exactly the way that he says it. We're going to look at two examples this morning on uh, Moses. There's, there's countless examples of this throughout the Bible, but all the, everything we've been looking at has been kind of related to the children of Israel leaving Egypt. So this is a good example. As Moses uh, led the children out of Israel, he had a lot of problems and a lot of frustrations. And... If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn over a few chapters. You should be in Exodus 13. You can turn over to Exodus chapter 17. uh, Let me share one other scripture before you go there. Um, This is Exodus 13, verse 21. And this just goes again to the way, into that map, that God wanted them to go exactly the way that he said. And so with the children of Israel, he literally led him with himself in a cloud by day and a fire by night. And in Exodus 13, and it'll be up on the screen, he says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. And then Exodus 40:34, and this is what we read last week when they finished the, the temple. 
uh, the tabernacle. He says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So they waited if he stayed, and they went if he went. And then they went exactly the way that he told them to go. He didn't give them the destination. He just said, I'm going to be with you, and I want you to follow me. He was the first Google Maps. Their little dot was the fire in the cloud. They're like, oh, dot's moving. Let's go, guys. And when it stayed still, they stayed. I think so often he gives us a glimpse of where he's taking us, and we're off and running. We're like, oh, that's all I needed, Lord. I'm gone. And he's like, wait, I'm still here. And we're like, that's okay. You'll catch up. And he's like, no, I won't. I'm going to be waiting right here till you let go of your plan so you let go of your way and figure out you need to be with me. Until you can figure out I'm the place you need to be. When you let go and come back, then we'll talk about moving. You just wait with me. And when it's time, I'll tell you it's time. Be patient. Be faithful. Wait. And so that's what they did. It said if, if he moved, they moved. If, if he stayed, they stayed. So this way to go, like I said, is just as important as his plan of doing what he said. And we're going to look at these two examples uh, starting in Exodus chapter 17. They're two very similar accounts, and most of you have probably heard them before, maybe many times throughout your life. But they're both two similar instances, but there's a distinct difference between the two. So the first story starts in Exodus 17 verse 1. It says there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. How would you like somebody to be threatening you in the desert saying, give me water? (laughs) What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to get water? And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're about ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So they had a problem. They're in the middle of a desert and didn't have any water. And Moses does what he's supposed to do. He cries out to the Lord and says, I don't know what to do. I can't give these people water. We're in the middle of a desert. And it says the Lord answered him and said, take the staff and take some of the elders and go before the people and go to that rock and strike it and I will bring forth water. And he obediently does what God says and God brings out water. And what I want us to see in this story, and if you look at any account in the Bible, God never asks anyone to do anything that's really that big of a deal. It may make absolutely no sense, 
But he doesn't tell you like, okay, you've never pole vaulted, but here's a pole and I'm going to set it at 38 feet and you've got to go and jump it. Never. There is no account in the Bible where he asked anybody to do anything that was really that difficult. The difficult thing was to have faith and believe what God said he was going to do. And so no one in their right mind is going to say getting a stick and hitting a rock is going to bring forth water. It's ridiculous. But Moses cried out to God and said, I can't bring water out for these people. What do I do? And he said, get the rod, go to that stone and hit it and I'll bring out water. And he does, and God brings water. He brings forth life. And that's his instruction to us throughout our life, over and over and over. He says, I have a plan, and I have a way, and if you'll do that, I'll do what only I can do. I'll bring the miracle. I'll bring the transformation. I'll bring the freedom. I'll forgive your sins. I'll do everything that you can't do if you'll do what I say the way I say it and have faith in me and trust me. I'll do what I said. My word's faithful. Every word that I've ever spoken, not one single word has come back void. He says over and over throughout the Bible, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. But he calls us to go with him. He says, come on, you can be with me while we walk through this. Just stay with me and follow my instruction. And whether it makes sense or not, just have faith. He called Gideon and we mentioned him a few weeks back. He thousands and thousands of soldiers came out to fight the enemy and God over and over and over said, send these guys home, send these guys home, send these guys home till they're down to 300. And then he says, now go get some pots and some sticks and put a fire in it. And, and he says, surround the enemy. There's thousands and thousands of enemy and they've got 300 guys. And he says, surround them. So they're probably, you know, who knows how far apart around these guys. And then God says, now smash your little vases. <laughs> And then the enemy wakes up and kills each other. And God says, see what I will do if you'll trust me. Have faith. I will do it. I will do it. And so Moses did it exactly the way he was supposed to. But go with me two books over to Numbers. It's Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers chapter 20. And this will also be on the screen. We're going to look at verse 2 and then 6 through 13. It's basically the same situation at a different place. It says, Now there was no water for the congregation. They assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron. Again, they're saying, We don't have any water and we need water. Verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell on their faces. They're crying out to God again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? We're going to stop here before we finish the rest of the story, even though most of you probably already know it. There's a couple of things I want to point out here. One, once again, they had no water. 
Once again, Moses and Aaron had no idea what to do. And they go back and they do the right thing. They go before the Lord and cry out to him. And he comes again and answers them. And he gives them instructions. And he says, uh, here's my plan. Here's the way that I want you to walk through this. And he says, go get the rod again. You and Aaron go before the people. But this time speak to the rock. And I'll bring forth water. And so Moses gets the rod. And he, him and Aaron go out. And they get the elders. And they go before the people. But Moses is mad. He's sick and tired of these people and he's sick and tired of leading them and, and just constantly having to deal with their complaints and threats on his life. I mean, heck, this is, you know, he had multiple times that they were ready to kill him. He's like, I'm sick of you trying to kill me for just trying to show you the way God wants you to go. And he says, listen, you rebels. But listen to what he says. Do we have to bring water for you again? He said, me and Aaron, do we got to do this for you? And so he's taking the glory of God. Because who gave the water the first time? God. Who's going to give the water this time? God. It doesn't matter if you hit a rock or speak to a rock. You're not bringing water out of it. God's providing it. But he's saying, listen, you rebels, do I have to do this for you again? And then he goes and, and we read on. We pick up in verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So he had a direction to speak to the rock, and he hit it. And I think it's important that he says, he notes that he hit it twice. In the first one, God said, strike the rock. He struck it once, the water flowed. This time he struck it. And I, it doesn't specifically say, but I believe that he struck it and waited whether it was seconds or a minute, but he struck it out of anger. God had specifically said, speak to the rock. And Moses was so mad at these rebellious people and said, do I have to bring you water again? And hits that rock and nothing happens. And I think, honestly, I believe God gave him a moment of grace. He's like, speak to the rock, Moses. But he was so mad and so angry, he didn't care what God had said. He was going to do it his way, and he hits the rock again. And God says, okay, you want it your way, you got it. Here's the water. And the water comes out, and the people and their animals drink. But God comes to Moses and Aaron and says, because you didn't regard me as holy before the people, you're not going to enter the promised land. I told you my plan, Moses. I told you the way. And you're supposed to be leading these people. And you decided to do it your own way. You didn't regard me as holy. And I can't be part of that. You can't walk with me if you're not going to do what I say the way that I say it. I think God speaks to us and he's giving us words. He's given you words over your children. He's given you words over your family for your marriage He's giving you words about your office and, and your students and everywhere that you go. And you're not seeing it go the way that you think it's going to go. But he's saying, do what I say. 
If you'll listen to me and follow me, if you'll make me holy before your kids, if you'll make me holy before your spouse, if you'll make me holy before your students, if you'll make me holy before your coworkers, if you'll make me holy before your friends, if they see you obeying me, you walking out and doing stupid things like hitting a rock, I'll bring forth the life. I'll make the water come out. I'll transform them. I'll heal them. They'll see the Holy Spirit move in ways you can't imagine. I'll do it. But you have to be with me. There's no other way. There's only one way. Jesus says, I'm the way. Just come to me. Just hear what I have to say. And be faithful to do it. And I will. Then I'll do what only I can do. I'll bring the water out. I'll bring the life I'll bring the healing. I'll bring the transformation. As we were worshiping, I was just thinking, God, we don't need more counseling. We don't need more advice. We don't need new ways to manage sin. We need you. You can heal. You can transform. You can do it. We can't. And he says, but you've got to come to me and you've got to listen. You've got to do what I say. And if you'll regard me as holy in every area of your life, I will show up and I'll do what only I can do. And the last thing is we've got to give him all the glory. And that's going to be next week's message. We have to keep our hands open as soon as we start closing on his plan or his way or his glory, he says, I, I got to step back. If I'm part of that, I'm denying myself. I've got to let you alone. If you want to do your plan, do your plan. If you want to go your way, go your way. But if you finish that way, he'll come back and say, I don't know you. You built a house I never requested. You did it your way. I don't know you because you weren't with me. And he came to give us that relationship that we can be with him. We can walk with him every step of the way. And we may think we're giving something up for him to be the Lord of our life, but we're not giving anything up. He designed you for that plan. He designed you for that trip and gifted you for that. There's no other way you'll be more content and fulfilled and blessed than following his plan, his way. It's the only way to go. But thankfully, there's grace. Like you, you may say, well, I've got, I know I've gone my way. <laughs> I know I've done my plan. It's never too late. As long as we're alive, as long as we're breathing, we can let go and say, God, I'm sorry. I've gone all this way, my way and my plan. Or maybe you were doing his plan, but you were doing it your way. Or maybe you were doing his plan and his way, but you were taking some of the glory. It doesn't matter. Two out of three is not good enough. We have to let it go. But it's not too late. And it never is. I guarantee you there's going to be times in my life that I start closing my hands again. 
We're human. We're going to do it. But I feel like as, as I grow and mature in him, I hear his voice sooner saying, oh, you're doing it again. I'm like, ah, <laughs> sorry, God. I, I, I was about to grab it again. I'm sorry. I want to wait. If it's not time, I want to wait. We don't need to go somewhere just to go somewhere. We don't need to do something just to do something. If he's not getting up and moving, we need to be with him. It's the only place to be. We have to stay like this in all of those areas. And when we do, he's going to show up and he will show himself mighty and you will see him move. And every word that he's ever spoken to you for your life, for your family's life, for your children's life is going to happen because he will do it because he said he would. And there's nothing you can do to make it happen. He's going to accomplish it. But he invites you to go along with him. He invites us to go along with him. He's going to reach the children of this community, whether we build that building or not. But he says, you can come with me. You can be part of it. And we're saying, okay, Lord, we want to, but we want to do it your way. In your timing. It's yours. It's not ours. We're not going to get any of the credit for whatever you do. We'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praises because it's you. But we're so glad that you let us come with you. That you invite us to come with you. And that you want to be with us and in us and have a relationship. And, and our, our gratitude is that we want to do it your way. We want to follow your way. We want to go whatever route you take us, whether it makes sense or not. Me personally, I'd like to get there as fast as possible, as direct as possible. And God says, yeah, but you don't know what that would do to you. That would destroy you and you wouldn't be with me. I've got another way to go and it's the right way. And you'll be with me. And I promise you'll never regret it. Hebrews talks about the faithful saints that have gone before us that were sawn in half and killed and burned at the stake. And we've got church history that talks about that throughout the years. They weren't not doing God's plan. God's plan doesn't mean we have some fairy tale life with nothing bad ever happening. He says, you don't get the big picture. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know how that's going to work out. Just follow me. And in that, and throughout Scripture, he's never held us responsible for the results. If Moses had done exactly what God said and spoke to that rock, now he told him water was going to come, so I mean he was going to do it. He'd be faithful. But if it hadn't of, Moses wasn't liable. He was obedient. Maybe, the, maybe God was going to let the water come out next week. You know, you spoke to it. It's just not going to happen right now. He's going to do it because he said he would. But Moses wouldn't have gotten in trouble for the results not happening. He was faithful. And that's our responsibility. Sometimes we look at the results on the other side and because we're expecting our results. And we're saying, God, this isn't the way it was supposed to play out. And he's saying, yes, it's exactly the way it was supposed to play out. I didn't tell you how it was going to play out. I just told you to do what I told you to do. And you did it and you were faithful. Awesome. Now let's go. Come on. What's next? What's next? I think if you look back at church history, every big move of God, they heard his voice. 
They got his plan. They did it. And he showed up miraculously. People's lives are transformed. He moves. He heals. He's doing amazing things that only he can do. And one of two things happened. Either they closed their hands on the glory and someone took credit for it. So he's like, okay, that's done. Or they followed him faithfully to the end and God says, that was awesome. Let's go. And the people stay there. They say, no, we figured it out, God. If we do A, B, C, and D, you show up. And we're going to keep doing this plan the way that you told us to do it. And God said, yeah, I did. I told you to do it that way. Just like he told Moses to hit the rock the first time. But he says, now, Moses, you're not supposed to hit the rock. You're supposed to speak to it. So God starts speaking a new word, and we hold on to the old one. And God says, I've got to go on. Because my plan has me over here. If you stay here, you're on your own. And we get so used to God's way that we don't want to change. And he's calling us to be a people, to be a marriage, to be a family, to be a church, to be a community that's going to follow him wherever he goes. And when he stops, we stop. When he gets up, we get up. When he goes, we go. And when he stops again, we stop again. He says, if you will be faithful and be with me and hear my voice and do it, I'll do what only I can do. And I'll keep doing what only I can do. But you have to stay with me. Until the day we die, we will never have the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to be Lord again. It's not an option. At the moment we do, he's out. He has to be the Lord of our life from this day on. And when we catch ourselves starting to hold on, just remind yourself to let go, to trust him, to wait, to wait for his voice, to wait for what he said, to tell you the way to go. And if he doesn't tell you anything, then be patient and wait. I'm so thankful for our elders in this church. We've, I've been here almost five years. And over and over and over, we've heard different things that God's saying. But he doesn't give us the go-ahead to go. Just like the building. It was years before he finally gave us the go-ahead to go. We could have started it sooner. We could have started asking for money sooner. We could have started doing a lot of things sooner. But he didn't tell us to. And I've seen churches before where they didn't care that God didn't tell them to. They needed to do something. We got to get started because he said this and yeah, he may not have told us anything now, but we got to get started. And God's saying, I didn't tell you to get started. I just told you what I was going to do eventually. Relax. I just wanted to show you part of my plan. Stay with me. And that's our heart to follow him. And we want a body that follows with us and walks with each other. That you can be every place that you go. He has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he's going to lead and guide you. But you've got to give it to him and do it his way. And if you do, he's going to show himself mighty. And every word he's ever promised you, he's going to bring. And he'll do it. It's not going to be because of you. It's going to be because of him. And we'll give him the glory and the honor and the praise. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord, that you sent him, that in your word, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Lord. And we want to go your way.
Lord, I pray that you'll remind people of the words that you've spoken in their life, over their children, over their marriage, over their families, over their friends, over their coworkers, over their classmates, Lord. That they'll remember what you call them to do, Father, but most importantly, that they'll wait on you and wait on your voice and whatever you tell them to do, whether it makes sense or not, that, that we'll be obedient and faithful. Lord, that we might show you holy, that we would display your holiness before our families, before our spouses, before our children, because we honor your word and we do what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it, not before and not after. Open our ears to hear your word. Open our hearts to receive it. Open our eyes to see what you're doing right in front of us, that we can walk with you. Lord, and we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, all the power, and all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 